Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So two weeks ago, we heard of the wise virgins and the foolish virgins waiting for the bridegroom to return. Last week, we heard of the joyful servants and the fearful servant waiting for the master to return. Today, it is sheep and goats. The third and final teaching of Jesus about the last day, when the good shepherd returns and separates the sheep from the goats, the sheep to inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world, the goats to go into the eternal fire prepared not for them, but for the devil and his angels. The God of life and salvation does not prepare or get ready to condemn anyone. That is not his way. That is not what he wants. It is not why Jesus went to the cross. He went to save all people. It is what they want. To not be with God. Or at least not this kind of God. And so they will not, sadly, no joy for anyone in that. It is sad really for us to even think about, which is why today so many deny it and think, no, God wouldn't do that. And so come up with an alternative theology. But God's word remains. There is only one way to take away the sin and guilt that separate us from God. And that is the death and resurrection of His Son. For your sin to be on Him and not on you. For your sin to be atoned for by His blood. Those who have that have everything. Those who have that have life eternally. Those who do not. All depends on the Son. All depends on being in the Good Shepherd's flock. But wait, Pastor, that's not what the words we heard today said. Jesus points to works, not faith. So it would seem we're saved by what we've done or not done. And perhaps it sounds that way, but it is not that way at all, which I hope to convince you, which in fact you already know. You already know it because it's what you've heard here all year in the readings and hymns and liturgy and sermons. It's what you've read in the scriptures that were not saved by works but by the benefits of the cross received by us by grace through faith. And many of you could quote me scripture that says that. So it's interesting to me how so many Christians, so steeped in this teaching all the other Sundays of the year, so confident in Christ, 
can become terrified of the judgment at the end of the church year and think it's on us and what we do. That we're going to have to answer for each and every sinful thought, word, deed, and desire that you've ever had. That the good shepherd suddenly turns into a horrible and strict judge. No, he doesn't. But if what I just said describes you, I don't condemn you. Just invite you to rejoice in the fact that you don't have to fear the last day. The one who is your good shepherd now will be your good shepherd on that day as well. The good shepherd who watered you here in baptism, who fed you here in his supper, who comforted you with his word, who forgave your sins, who watched over you and led you through the valley of the shadow of death, will not stop. So when he comes on the last day, as we heard, he's going to act like that. He's going to act like a shepherd. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, which is not hard for a shepherd to do. It's not like it's hard to tell. There's not a fine line between the two. It's obvious, especially for a shepherd who's around sheep all the time. All you've got to do is separate them. And that takes place not because of what they've done, whether they've been good or not, but because of what they are, a sheep or a goat. And Jesus could have stopped right there. He could have stopped his teaching right there and then, full stop, and not even said the rest. All those things that were done or not done, and all would be well. So why does Jesus do it? Why does Jesus drag in all that teaching and muddy the waters, so to speak? Well, actually, it's just for the opposite reason. He brings those teachings up to clarify, not muddy. And for two reasons. First, to demonstrate the fairness and justice of his judgment No objection can be raised by the goats that they were improperly put with the wrong group. No, there has been no mistake. By their lives, they showed who they were. Not perhaps in ways we notice. We often judge wrongly or are mistaken, but God knows and sees the heart. And notice, the goats think they've been good enough. And maybe they've been very good goats, the best of goats, in fact, praised by all the other goats. But even the very best goat is not a sheep. The best unbeliever is still an unbeliever. And so without the forgiveness of sins, that comes only by grace through faith. The second reason Jesus points to these things is for the benefit of his sheep, for you and I. For you and I who think 
we haven't been good enough, who look at our lives and see mainly all the ways we fail and fall short and don't do the things we should do. And you're right. You're exactly right. This is something that often happens with Christians and especially new Christians. They're baptized, they're catechized, and they want to be good Christians, and they try really hard, and that's good. But inevitably, sooner or later, as they grow in the Word, they don't see improvement. They don't think they're getting better. In fact, they think they're getting worse. Because as they grow in God's Word, they learn to see things more and more clearly. They learn to see their sin more and more clearly. And so they think they're getting worse. Most of the time, I don't think they are. They're just seeing more clearly than ever before the horrible reality of sin. And so it seems that way to them. Now that's good if it pushes us to repent and to return to Christ and his forgiveness, that's exactly what the law is supposed to do. And then the gospel and the joy of Christ's forgiveness can have its way with us and give us the confidence and joy that our works could never give. And here on the last day, Jesus' words seem to indicate that very thing going on. Sheep that know they haven't been good enough. So how comforting for us to know that to Jesus, you are good enough. Not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. Made us his sheep. His sheep where even the little things that we've done are precious to him. It's not becoming a pastor. It's not going away to some wild and exotic country as a missionary. It's not doing things that draw the world's attention. It's these little things Jesus mentions, things we've long forgotten and that seem like no big deal. They are a big deal to him. A Christian mother taking care of her children. A Christian father providing for his family. Taking food to a family, going through a rough rough patch, visiting those alone or isolated, caring for those in need. Those things don't wipe out your sins and earn you eternal life. Jesus did that. And so because he did, you can. You can take care of others because of who you are. A sheep in the good shepherd's flock. Or maybe think of it this way. Sometimes people are asked a hypothetical question. What would you do if you gained a large inheritance or won the lottery? What would you do with it? And there's all kinds of answers to that question, but oftentimes there is the desire to help others, to fund a scholarship or give to charity or help family and friends. Well, for you, it's not a hypothetical. You have that. It's your reality. You have an inheritance. 
You received it in your baptism. It's what the gospel today tells you. And and it's delivered to you here every Sunday. The inheritance prepared for you before the foundation of the world, Jesus said today. It's yours. So you have riches beyond your understanding. Riches that will never run out. So now what? If you believe this, how will you live? What will you do? Will you live as if this world is all there is, or will you live differently? So in the collect of the day today, we prayed this. Enable us to wait for the day of our Lord's return with our eyes fixed on the kingdom prepared for your own, our inheritance from the foundation of the world. Enable us not to have our eyes fixed on the things of this world, but our eyes fixed not not on ourselves or what we do, but our eyes fixed on the king and his kingdom. All that he has done for us. All that he has for us. For then we see rightly. Satan is always trying to take our eyes off of that. Get us to look at anything but that. And so cause us to rely on what we do and tremble and fear at the thought of the last day. Instead, we will fix our eyes on Jesus. The bridegroom coming for his bride, the church the master who has joy for his servants, the good shepherd who is both good and our shepherd, not just for now, but for eternity. The good shepherd who always has his eyes fixed on you. The good shepherd who has once again set his table before us in the presence of our enemies, in the midst of this sinful and turbulent and unbelieving world so come now and fix your eyes on him here on his forgiveness given to you here and taste and see that the Lord is good so that when he comes again or even just when you think about the last day you will not tremble and fear but look forward to it with joy as Jesus does that day can't come soon enough for him either to have you and all his flock together with him finally forever that's why he came that's why he died that's what he wants that's why he's coming again for you that it really be true what the psalmist said blessed now and forever are all who take refuge in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.